and I'm ready for 431. And uh, so, somebody read 31 to 37. And he went down to Capernaum, <clears throat> a city of Galilee, and he was teaching, uh, teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his te- teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out in a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. <clears throat> but Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in, the, in their midst, he came out of him, uh, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and saying to one another, What, uh, what is this word? Uh, for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding regions. Okay. So, Jesus comes down to Capernaum, because you're always going down to Capernaum. It's about 680 feet below sea level, so pretty much from anywhere you came, you'd go down into Capernaum. And uh, got to, it's quite a different reception in Capernaum. He's in teaching uh, in the synagogue on the Sabbath. And uh, what what amazes them about how Jesus taught? Authority? Yeah. Jesus didn't do like the rabbis did, who would offer various suggestions, appeal to various uh, rabbis who'd gone before them, and be rather tentative in what they suggested. Jesus would teach it like, this is the way it is, you know, which, well, that's different, you know. And the thing about Jesus wasn't just that he taught with authority. There are some people who do that today, even though they don't have the authority, they'll teach like they did. But Jesus shows that he has the authority by what he does with the man possessed with the unclean spirit. Um, you can tell that this uh, demon is not too happy about this encounter with Jesus. You know, this is holy war, and he knows it, and he feels uh, threatened by Jesus. And uh, he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So, demons would recognize Jesus? Yeah, it looks to me like it, that they actually knew who Jesus was. I mean, remember, demons have been around a lot longer than, you know, the man they're in. And uh, so they evidently knew Jesus from prior uh, contact. Uh, However that was, we don't really know. But what did Jesus say to the demon? Be quiet. Now, why? What's, What's wrong with what the demon's saying? He is the Holy One of God, isn't he? Yeah, I think that's the idea. He indignantly refuses homage from a demon. You know, he does not want the demon advertising his identity. You know, that'd be like having the town drunk tell everybody you're his best friend or something like that. And uh, Jesus says, and come out of him. And what happens when he tells the demon to come out of him? The man is somehow thrown. Yeah, he throws the man down on the ground and comes out. So he's determined to do as much damage as he could, make the uh, you know healing as painful as possible, but the man's fine, and the demon's gone. And what do the people think? They're amazed at his authority and power to be wow. able to do it. Because think about it. What did Jesus use to cast out the demon? His word. 
The same word he taught with, that maybe you couldn't prove he had the authority. Well, he shows that his word has authority even to order demons out. And, uh, you know, he, he was, in the earlier part of this chapter, he was in conflict with Satan, but he was using the scriptures to overcome Satan. Here, he's raiding Satan's outpost and freeing the captives. And uh, he's using his own authoritative word to do that. And that's amazing to everybody. Uh, you know, Jesus' whole purpose is to conquer Satan and divide the plunder, which are the souls that are under Satan's control. So, so you really see that here. Pretty amazing, and you can see why the report's spreading. Uh, and we're going to see that over and over again as the reports keep spreading about Jesus. You know, it's hard to keep a man like Jesus, uh, the news about him, quiet. Uh, thoughts and comments? I don't think demons get killed, as far as I can see. We know the story in Luke 8 about where the guy had the legion of demons, and he begged Jesus not to send him to the abyss, and asked to go, they did, asked to go to the pigs instead, which looks to me like if a demon doesn't have anywhere to go, he has to go back home. So do you think like a demon would be in different... Like in this, like, would he go to somebody else? I don't know whether he ended up having to go back to the abyss or whether or not he was able to find somebody else. My guess is he may have to go gone back to the abyss, but I don't know that for sure. But in in that analogy with the guy who had the legion, it looks to me like he's at. They're asking to go to the pigs so they don't have to go back to their home, because who wants to be in torment? Not even the demons. And it looks to me like in that case. The demons got a roller coaster ride, and then ended up having to go back to the abyss. Anyway, I think they kind of outfoxed themselves by asking him to go into the pit. So. Was it unusual that someone possessed by a demon would be in the synagogue? Mm, I don't know. Um, maybe yeah, it would seem kind of uh, odd, perhaps. Although. Uh, there were Jewish exorcists. You wonder if there was an exorcist in the synagogue trying to perform. I don't know. Did they, were they successful? The Jewish exorcists? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that would surprise me. We read about some in Acts 19 who tried to hijack the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, and it backfired on them. They got beaten up and had to run out of the house naked. Uh, so it wasn't successful for them. And they were Jewish exorcists. So, all right, uh, we have Jesus then teaching, casting on a demon, healing. 38 and 39, he heals Simon's mother-in-law. Then we'll see him healing in 40, casting out demons in 41, and teaching in 42 to 44. So you see how you got the chiasm there. He teaches, expels a demon, heals, heals, expels a demon, teaches. All right, so let's look at the healings, 38 to 40. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. When the sun was setting, all those who had had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on them and healed them. Okay. 
So Jesus gets up and goes into Simon's house. Uh, what do we know about Simon so far in the book of Luke? I don't think anything. So this is kind of a preliminary reference. Luke loves to do that. You'll see it all over the book of Acts. Well, he will bring somebody into the story in a really minor role that he's going to really put in a major role a little later. <coughs> so that's a common technique that Luke uses. So Simon is just here. He's in Simon's house. His mother-in-law is suffering from a high fever. Now, the other gospels say she was suffering from a fever. But Luke, the physician, mentions it was a high fever. He tends to give more medical details, uh, which is kind of interesting. And uh, so, you know, that shows the illness is serious, you know, at least the fever's high. Um, and they want him to help her. So what does Jesus end up doing? Yes. How does he heal her? He rebuked the fever? Yeah, really. I mean, is there any other time in the Gospels where Jesus addresses the illness and not the ill person? <laughs> I think this is the only one, but Jesus rebukes the fever. <laughs> As if it was a, you know, conscious thing. I don't know how that works. And it left her. Well, that's, it worked, you know. And what does she do immediately? Gets up and serves. Yes. Now, what does that tell you about Jesus healing her? It's immediate and complete. Yeah, like no recovery time. Like usually it takes time to get your strength back. Doesn't take her any time to get her strength back. Jesus healed her. And when he does it, he does it right. He didn't just take away the fever. Notice in verse 38, Jesus got up. In verse 39, she got up. You know, and... uh you know, she got up because Jesus got up and came to her house and uh, saved her or healed her. And she started serving, which is a good model, too. We are we are healed to serve. Um, and so that's that. Then when the sun was setting, they brought all the sick people to him. Doesn't that seem odd? They wait till the sun starts setting before they bring people to it? Yes. It was a Sabbath, verse 31. They couldn't bring people until the Sabbath was over. When would the Sabbath have been over? At sundown. So this is the time they can start bringing people. And they do. And what was Jesus doing? How? Yeah. Jesus' healings had kind of a personal touch. And it was labor-intensive. You know, you could imagine somebody healing by saying, may all the sick in this crowd be healed. I don't ever see Jesus doing that. That doesn't seem to be his approach. It looks to me like he heals one by one and actually touches them and interacts with them. (coughs) So think about how much work this was. I'm not saying that the healing itself took something out of him. I mean, as far as I know, it was just saying the word. But he's having to interact with person after person, you know, laying their hands on them. And he's got tons of people coming, so he's probably up late. Uh, that's interesting to me. Uh, thoughts and comments through verse uh, 40. What did the Catholics say about Peter having a mother-in-law? 
Well, I think they would say that when uh, Peter became a priest or a pope, he left his wife. Really? Yeah. It's a weird thing to say. I believe I'm right on that. I think I, that would be their know. position. Yeah. So they don't try to deny that this is. His no, I don't think so. Yeah, I think they'd admit she, he was married, but he, you know, he didn't continue to maintain his wife once he became a pope, for sure. What do they say about the passage about him taking along a believing wife? I think that's a tremendous passage. I'm not sure what they say about that one. That's a difficulty for them, it seems to me. That's First Corinthians 95. What you were saying about Jesus personally touching them made me think of how I hear people pray a lot for all of the sick of the congregation, like, please be with all of them, and just makes me think of how sometimes we pray very generically when it's better maybe sometimes to be more personal. Good point, yes. The more, you know, specific, uh, there's some definite things that are good about that. I have about 41 to 44. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak, because they knew him to be Christ. When they came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him, and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. <coughs> okay, so the demons were also coming out. Uh, so he's killing the sick, he's casting out the demons... He's not in le- not letting them, you know, announce the truth about himself. You know, he didn't want Satan's help in the wilderness, and he doesn't want the demons uh, helping him either. He doesn't need any assistance from the uh, devil's side of things. You know, so, I mean, the next day, Jesus is, is kind of hidden out in a secluded pl- place, and they came to him. They found him. And what did they try to get him to do? Tried to keep him with them. Yeah. Tried to get him to not leave. Don't go anywhere else. We want you. However, what did Jesus say? I was sent to preach to everybody. Yeah, I've got to other place i got to go. The message has got to get out. I think that's a great you know, mindset. This gospel needs to be spread more places. You know, I think this idea of a zeal for missionary work, you know, to spread the gospel out, whether that means to more people where you work, to more people in your neighborhood or your school, or more countries, or whatever, I think the idea is we need to spread it, spread it, spread it. And that's what Jesus did. That's the purpose he came. So he's preaching the kingdom of God, that that the Lord is, is going to establish his rule and reign. Now, it says he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. But where was he? Galilee. He was in Galilee, right? That's where Capernaum was. Mm-hmm. So how is he preaching in the synagogues of Judea? Wasn't it all Judea? I think that's the case. Um... 7.17, when he heals the uh, widow of Nain's son, and Nain was up there in Galilee, this report concerning him went out o- all over Judea and on all the surrounding district. That seems to use Judea in that way. In 6.17, 
you know, there was a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon. That seems to be using Judea maybe in the general sense of that whole area. So I suspect that the synagogues of Judea are just saying, if Galilee here, but Judea referring to that whole area. That That is a bit unusual for us, but I think that's probably the case. I would also suggest that it's helpful to look back at verse 15. Remember, we said this when we looked at 15. 15 and 44 kind of tie this section up. You know, in 15, he began teaching in the synagogues and was praised by all in 44, so he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. All right, comments and questions then on chapter 4.